Long time no talk. What's up, YouTube? Welcome in to the afternoon shows here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is midday with Trey and BK live on a Wednesday, September 27th, 20 and 23. Trey and I are taking you until 1 o'clock. Chip and Zay from 1 to 3. And then, of course, fire the cannon for their weekly show about this Quan Cosby yeah the legendary lifetime Longhorn Quan Cosby will be joining fire the cannon this afternoon so yesterday we had Ricky Williams on the channel there's one legendary lifetime Longhorn Mike Hart just talked to Derek Johnson a few moments ago there's another legendary lifetime Longhorn I mean coming up this afternoon Quan Cosby the trifecta three in two days you can only get that right here on Texas sports unfiltered what's up Trey and not to ruin the surprise, BK, but I have a couple of special guests scheduled for today's midday show. Vince Young and Colt McCoy will be joining us at 12.30.11. At 12.30.11. Yes. So both Vince Young and Colt McCoy will be with us at the same time at 12.30.11. Yeah, they just want to shoot the breeze. So I said, sure, guys, welcome you to the show. No, look, I'm jealous right now. That all these other shows are talking to these really cool lifetime Longhorns, and here you and I are, and you're stuck talking to me for an hour. Yeah. When you say 12, 30, 11, do you mean like 12, 30, and 11 seconds? Do you mean at some point between 12, 30 p.m. and 11 p.m.? Are you giving me the cable company window, or you're giving me like 10 and a half hours, and you're going to show up maybe at some point between there? Stop trying to confuse the times. You know exactly what 12, 30, 11 means. I haven't heard about that since 1972 40. <laughs> That's a new one for me. How you feeling today? I'm feeling all right. Maybe a little bit sluggish. I think the voice sounds better. Not that it sounds great, but I do think it sounds better from yesterday. Hopefully there will be less squeaks and cracks today. Unlike yesterday where my voice would just completely fall apart mid sentence. Hopefully we are past that. But no guarantees. So I think by tomorrow, I should be able to resume my three to five duties, too. There we go. All right. Well, it's good to have you here. It's good to have everybody here. A couple of uh, reminders. Our 5,000 subscriber giveaway closes at midnight tonight. So the link to sign up is in the video description below. I'll tweet that out a couple of times between now and the end of the night. So there won't be any reason for you not to be entered in to win one of the great prizes we'll be giving away in our 5,000 subscriber giveaway. And uh, I'm going to make a separate video tomorrow night after all of the shows are done announcing the winners of our 5,000 subscriber giveaway. So be on the lookout for that. Did you end up including a meal with you at Taco Bell amongst the prizes for 5,000? We'll see. Oh, did you end up including console hockey with you so you can get a week off of work as part of our prizes here in the 5K giveaway? Ran that one by Justine, and unfortunately, she shut it down. So sadly, <laughs> that will not be a part of the 5,000 giveaway. Maybe 10,000, though? Mm, yeah, no. I'm going to go ahead and put the kibosh on that one, I think, if your wife doesn't already. Oh, man. All right, plenty to get into today. We'll have Where Are We At in Society at the end of the show. We'll talk some college and NFL football. We can get into a little bit of baseball as well as, boy, the defending champion Houston Astros are on the ropes right now, just a half a game away from being out of the playoffs entirely. They've got a huge matchup 
in Seattle, the series finale between those two teams, the rubber game tonight. Uh, if the Astros lose that one, they're going to be on the outside looking in with just one series left in the regular season. I guess we can open up there before we hear from Steve Sarkeesian and start to uh, look ahead to Texas and Kansas coming up on Saturday. But, Trey, a couple of weeks ago, look, you and I are doomsday Ranger fans. We always assume the worst because, well, usually the Rangers give us the worst. Yeah. But the Rangers have played some pretty good baseball as of late. They did lose last night, but over the last week and a half or so, They've righted the ship. They had a six-game win streak in there, which came at the perfect time. And then on the other end of the spectrum, a team that usually never chokes, the Houston Astros, have fallen on some hard, hard times. And once again, their playoff lives are on thin ice right now. The Rangers' magic number to win the West is down to three, and the Astros could be in some serious, serious hot water if they can't get this dub later tonight. Yeah, and strangely, BK, as good as Houston has been defensively over the last several years now, including those two World Series titles, it's the defense that is really letting them down. And that was on display last night, too. You have guys who historically have been plus defensive players who are falling in the negative category now. Maldonado is a great example of that. You're obviously not putting that guy in the lineup for his batch. You're putting him in there because he is so good behind the plate. But statistically, he's one of the worst catchers in baseball right now. And if the Astros aren't careful, they may end up losing out on the playoffs altogether. You mentioned how big this game is against Seattle tonight. Mariners win this one. We see a flip in the standings where the Astros are not just on the outside looking in in terms of the actual wild card standings. But at that point, the Mariners own the tiebreaker over the Astros too. Yep. So they need to finish a game ahead of Seattle in order to make it to the playoffs. Now. Could Seattle beat Texas, I don't know, two, one, two, three times in this four-game set that's starting in Seattle on Thursday? Certainly. But the Rangers are, shockingly to all of us, pretty dialed in right now. And this is a team that might be able to make some postseason noise, assuming that they can get that first-round bye, reset the rotation, and shorten that rotation, too. You've seen problems out of the fourth and fifth starters uh throughout the course of the season, but certainly over the last month and a half now. That was on display last night, unfortunately. But this Rangers lineup has it going again. Hopefully Seager and that forearm contusion isn't something that's going to keep him out too long. Getting young back is a big deal. Evan Carter, my goodness, you want to talk about a guy who has really exploded onto the major league scene, one of the Rangers' top prospects, doing things exceptionally at the bottom of that lineup. And Texas is seem to have recaptured the mojo that has been absent for the better part of August and September. Yeah, the Rangers got to get healthier, man. I mean, it just feels like with every bit of good news for the Rangers, somebody else goes down with an injury, right? You talked about Seager leaving the game early with that forearm contusion. The Rangers were getting their asses kicked. I think a lot of that had to do with just, hey, we're not winning this game, so let's protect our best player for right. tomorrow. But two days ago, it was John Gray who left the start early. Yeah. And obviously with Evaldi and DeGrom and – Scherzer and it's just one after another uh, with these Rangers this year so it's kind of amazing that they're in the spot that they're in despite the injuries that they've had this season but yeah they uh, their magic number is down to three and I wonder I mean I, I know this won't happen but it's obvious the Rangers hate the Astros it's yeah. obvious the Mariners hate the Astros like I, I think most baseball fans hate the Astros I'm not breaking any news to anybody right now um, what if the Rangers and Mariners get together before their four game series that starts tomorrow. And they're like, oh, let's each win two games. So we both make the playoffs and the Astros don't make the playoffs. That would never happen. Right. 
I don't think so. And they may not have to worry about that either because the Astros are having to go play Arizona. And as Astros fans will tell you this season, they have been better on the road than at home, strangely. But this is an Arizona team that will also be playing in the postseason this time next week too. So the Diamondbacks have something to play for right now. And it could be as simple as the Astros shockingly to us all limping to the finish line and ultimately finding themselves on the outside looking in. Oh yeah. The D bags need these games, right? They haven't clinched a playoff spot yet. They they're up a game and a half over Miami for a postseason spot in the national league. So right now the D bags are the second wild card spot, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're a couple of losses away from also being on the outside looking in. So my apologies. Uh, yeah. I thought that they had already clinched and they were jockeying for positioning within the wild cards. Interesting. Yeah. No, yeah. So those are uh, those are huge games for them too. It's weird to say, but like you said, the good news is those games are on the road for the Astros, because uh, yeah, they're sub five hundred at Minute Maid this year, but they've been one of the best teams in baseball away from H Town. But yeah, they got to take care of business tonight first. The good news for the Strohs, Frommer Valdez is on the mound. You know, he or JV, those are the guys that you would want in a spot like this. Frommer's been ridiculously clutch in big moments in his career. This is not a playoff game technically, but it sure as hell will feel like a playoff game at T-Mobile tonight. That's the guy you want on the bump if you're an Astros fan. But yeah, if you uh, can't win this one tonight, it's not a must win. It's not like you're mathematically eliminated if you don't get this job done, but you uh, lose control of your own destiny if you come up short against the Amps. Our friend Tom McKay believes that this is one giant conspiracy by the Astros right now. Because they know how good they are on the road this year. So they're essentially lame ducking the end of the season to squeak into the playoffs so they can play as many road games as possible once it gets to October. Yeah, that's a dangerous game to play. Yeah. Now, hey, it might work out very well for the Astros because you kind of don't hate the path if you're the sixth seed in the American League. It's it's relatively favorable because you would get to play Minnesota, who won the Central, Minnesota is known for choking in the playoffs, right? They haven't won a playoff series since like when indigenous people's guy sailed the ocean blue. And then you'd get the Rangers presumably in round two. And what do the Rangers do better than anybody else? Lose to the Astros. (laughs) I was going to say, maybe besides the twins losing the playoffs, but also lose to the Astros. So like that's, and you get to play more games on the road. I don't, I don't think that's what the Astros are trying to do. Although I love a good conspiracy theory. And obviously they have, I mean, they have made things very close. You talk about hairs and chin, chin, chins, whatever the hell that expression is. Uh, that's what the Astros are doing right now. If that's their plan, they are awfully close to not even making the playoffs because of that strategy. Yeah, buckle up. I'm actually being forced to pay attention to the end of the baseball regular season because my team is involved. There's money on the line in Vegas, as you've let the people know about that if the Rangers can figure out a way to win a world series, well, I win 7,000 bucks on top of getting to root for my first world series championship with the Rangers. But also I'm an Astros hater. Anybody who uh, knows the Rangers or Astros can completely understand that. I want to see them collapse at the end of the year because it goes against everything that we thought would happen just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a lot of the baseball world outside of Houston might be rooting for that as well, but I'll tell you what, a Rangers Astros playoff series would be pretty fun if we got it. Now it'd be a lot more fun for the fan base and the team that wins, obviously. But uh, you know, we we almost had that back in 2015 
when both teams were in the playoffs. The Rangers lost to the Blue Jays. The Astros lost to the Royals. If both teams had taken care of business, they would have met in the CS. Uh, neither team took care of business that year. And the Rangers made the playoffs in 2016. The Astros did not. And then every year since, the Astros have made the playoffs and the Rangers have not. So uh, we might have the, the opportunity to see these two teams square off in a Texas-sized playoff series, which would be pretty cool for the state and pretty cool for the baseball world without question. So Rangers one more against the Halos tonight. And, yeah, the big one in Seattle, Astros and Mariners. We'll talk a little bit of baseball, of course, through the end of the regular season. And when we get to the playoffs, we'll talk plenty of that here as well. But, of course, we're talking a lot of Longhorn football right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Texas and Kansas coming up this Saturday, 2.30 at DKR. Texas Memorial Stadium. And let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian. We'll just start with his opening thoughts from his Monday press conference before we dive into some of the other cuts we've got from Sark. But here is Steve Sarkeesian talking about this Kansas team coming to town this weekend. It's a heck of a challenge. Uh, Kansas has a very good football team. Coach Leipold has done a tremendous job. Uh, yeah, I think this is back-to-back years of uh, 4-0 starts, I think since the first time since like 1914. Uh, that, that, that's a tremendous job. I know what he inherited and, and the issues they had with scholarship players. So the job he's done there uh, needs to be recognized. Um, again, they're highlighted by, by some, some really cool offensive players. You know, the, the quarterback, Jalen Daniels, a heck of a player. You know, we saw him firsthand in his first start here a couple years ago. So we know what he's capable of. You know, Devin Neal's a, a heck of a runner. They got some really, you know, really good ball hawks in the secondary. Kobe Bryant, uh, Logan. So we got a work cut out for us. This is a veteran team. They've been in their system now for for two and three years, a lot of older players, and so we know they're going to come ready to play. we got to make sure that we do our part to get ourselves ready to play. We recognize it's going to be hot Saturday. Uh, The heat index will will be triple digits. It's going to be a 2.30 game, so we got to rely on our conditioning. And then, obviously, we're looking forward to getting back with our fans. should be a great environment at DKR, and uh, looking forward to that opportunity as well. Okay, so there's Sark. How about that stat that he dropped at the beginning? Kansas has not started 4-0 in consecutive seasons since 1913-1915 when they had three different coaches. A guy by the name of Arthur Moshe, sounds Jewish, he coached the first year. Then we had H.M. Wheaton in 1914, and then Herman Alcott was the coach of KU in 1915. All of those guys sound like football coaches who died 100 years ago. Uh, that's how long it's been since Kansas has been able to put together back-to-back decent starts to a season, and this is a good Kansas team. I don't think that's lip service, right? We, like, before Rice, before Wyoming, we're like, all right, Sark, like, you know, coach speak, whatever. You're always going to hype up your opponent and make them sound good. But Kansas is actually a good team that are ranked for a reason. And yeah, they are they are doing things that we don't normally see Kansas teams do. No, this is the most innovative offense in college football, in my opinion, BK. And they are going to present a unique challenge to this Texas football team. And as good as this Longhorn front has been against the run this year, I'm not going to be surprised to see Kansas find some success running the football at least early in the game. Now, you expect Pete Kwiatkowski and his coaches to make the necessary adjustments to eventually turn that into less of an issue, but I do believe that this game remains relatively close and probably does turn into a bit of a shootout, although a shootout where Kansas is doing a good job of controlling the clock. 
And that just speaks to the talent at running back, but also that offensive line, which hasn't been very good protecting Daniels at times this year. They are much better as run blockers right now. Yeah, Kansas is going to try to run the football, and that's your strength-on-strength matchup on Saturday, right? I mean, KU's rushing attack ranks 12th in college football, averaging just shy of 218 yards per game. Texas has a top-20 run defense in college football, and of course that's no fluke because we saw them have one of the better run defenses in the country in 2022 as well. So, yeah, that's what uh, Kansas wants to do, man. They they want to spread you out. They want to run the football. I think the good news is, and I think we talked about this yesterday. I can't remember if I was talking to Bucky or talking to Jeff or talking to Kevin about this, but uh, Kansas runs a lot of outside zone, and they like to stretch the field a little bit with a lot of horizontal runs. They haven't gone up against a defense with the speed that Texas has. Like, Texas has no problem. The linebackers on this team are fast as hell, plus Mo Mo Blackwell's back. That guy's really fast for a linebacker. Like, you're not going to win on the perimeter against this Texas defense. So, Kansas, they might have to adjust what they want to do because, yeah, I know their guys are fast, but Texas can run step for step with them. They've got the athletes to handle this Kansas rushing attack. Lipal does a lot with motion, and I don't wonder if he's not going to use the Texas linebackers' exceptional pursuit against them on Saturday by running a lot of counters, which you don't have a ton of on tape right now. But I know how sharp of an offensive mind Leipold is, so he sees that those linebackers at times have gotten themselves sucked into the line of scrimmage when they take a step or two a little bit too close to the line and end up washed out of the play when it's all said and done. So watch for that on Saturday afternoon too. Yeah, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of misdirection, a lot of counter. Uh, Kansas, they're innovative, man. It's Leipold and their offensive coordinator, Andy Kotelnecki. Sounds like a fake name, but a real one. Uh, They do a really good job of putting you in a bind defensively. And it's not the same cookie-cutter game plan you get from Kansas every single Saturday like they are pretty good at everything, and they attack your weaknesses the best that they possibly can. So they're obviously watching film. Uh, there's not a lot of negative things on film for this Texas defense, but they're going to try to identify a player or a matchup to where they can target this weekend, and it'll be up to a PK to have a good game plan, of course, going into the game, but also make some adjustments perhaps in-game to make sure that Kansas isn't able to take advantage of something that Texas isn't doing well. In honor of Andy Kotelnecki, I feel like your fake name that you're giving out to unsuspecting victims on Dirty Street uh, Sixth on the weekend should be something like Randy Kotelnecki. Oh, I like that. Randy Kotelnecki. You think any girl will ask me if I'm related to Andy Kotelnecki? No, Andy Kotelnecki, no. And if they do, then you've probably found the woman of your dreams. Yeah, yeah, which means I have to run because I don't want that. (laughs) Randy Turtlenecki. What if I just show up with a turtleneck everywhere I go, and that's my bit? (laughs) If your bit becomes a turtleneck, then I'm going to have to start going out with you on the weekends just to (laughs) Facebook Live your interactions with people. Oh, I thought you were going to go the opposite direction there. I thought you were going to be like, I quit, and I never want to talk to you again. But now you want to be with me more so you can make fun of me while I rock a turtleneck in 110-degree summer heat here in Austin. Oh, are you, yeah, exactly. Are you kidding me? That sort of social train or car wreck? Yes, yeah, uh, count me in for that. That is social suicide right there. I've never understood the turtleneck, even when it's cold outside. I just, I, I don't think it's necessary to have a Davis Mills impression on your clothing. Even after I moved someplace that was significantly colder than Texas, Chicago, drink up, 
And I, I all of a sudden realized the true value of scarves. Scar, a good scarf is a great thing. And as soon as you lose the heat in the neck area, the rest of you is completely screwed. I still refused to wear a turtleneck. Mm. That is truly one of the douchiest looks that you can possibly go with. And they're just not comfortable too, man. Like, no, it's like it's like somebody who's got really weak, weak grip strength is trying to choke you. Yeah, I'm team scarf. In the matchup of scarf v turtleneck, but also living in Texas, I wear a scarf like once a year, if that. Yeah, you you wear a scarf for fashion here in Texas, or like you and me, the one or two days where it actually gets below freezing, and you're like, ah, do I need this right now? No, I'd normally like to break it out when it's in the single digits, but it's 25, and this is as cold as it's going to get, so let's go ahead and bring the big guns out. Here's how my scarf wearing usually goes. It's that cold. I spend five minutes looking for the scarf, and then I say, fuck it. I can't find the scarf. We're going outside. That's usually how it goes. I think I know where it is because I just moved. I think I can find it now, but something tells me by the time we get to December, January, February, whenever it gets cold around here, uh, I won't be able to find the scarf, and it will not be worn. But I can assure you that Randy Turtlenecky will be making an appearance at a bar near you. All right, let's hear more from Steve Sarkeesian here. Uh, let's talk about Jalen Daniels a little bit. I mean, the run game, look, it's it's not just Jalen Daniels, right? Devin Neal is a freaking beast. He's averaging 6.9 yards a carry. Very is nice. He the, is he the best running back in the Big 12, BK? I think so. Yeah. I really do. Um, trying to think who else is in the conversation. I mean, obviously, Brooks has looked good over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's, he's in the conversation now for sure. Yeah, Oklahoma's got a couple of guys who are solid. Treshawn Ward, who's at K-State, the Florida State can, uh, transfer, is uh, is a good player as well. Uh, Taj Brooks at Texas Tech is fine, but they don't ever give him the ball for some reason, and that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of why Tech is 1-3, and three, and they're ready to fire everybody already. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So with some Tech fans over the weekend, and they're already talking about who their next coach is going to be. Love that. Go get Jeff Trailer, I guess, Tech fans, if you can lure him to Lubbock. Well, it's it's AM and Texas Tech who are going after that dude. In addition to maybe GJ Kinney at Texas State, maybe he's trying for that job too. Who knows? But as good as Devin Neal is, and Daniel Heishall is a really good number two running back for Kansas. And, you know, Sark talked about some of the other players that they have on offense and defense. And this is a, a relatively ca- a talented Kansas roster. But it all starts with their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who is one of the best players in the conference and really one of the most talented QBs in all of college football. Here's Sark talking a little bit about the challenges that KU's quarterback presents. Well, the, the thing that, that he does is he's, he's a real dual threat. <laughs> you know, I, I think the natural thing is we think about the runs that he has for explosive plays, but he throws the ball all over the place. And they've, they've got great schemes and concepts. Um, it, it's, it's not – you know, by any means, is it is it gimmicky? You know, they, they're running real pass concepts that stress your coverages, and then they have the run concepts with with his legs as as an added element to it. You know, the plus one runs with the quarterback run, so um, he taxes you both ways. So it's not like you can just have a guy be a scout team quarterback that that's a runner. You have to have the ability to throw it to give the defense a, a realistic look about what they're going to be going up against. So he kind of dunked on Jalen Milrow a little bit there because the question I didn't include it there, but the way it was worded was, Hey, is Savion red going to be your scout team quarterback again this week? And Sark basically is like, well, no, Jalen Daniels can actually throw, 
which basically insinuates that Jalen Milrow couldn't throw, which was not that far from the truth. So that's the difference. Like I've seen some Texas fans saying, oh, we handle Jalen Milrow. This guy's no problem. It, that That's so disrespectful to Jalen Daniels because we know Milrow could throw the deep ball. He couldn't throw short or intermediate at all. And like you always said, Trey, like his first read, if it wasn't there, he would take off and run. No, Daniels can throw short. He could throw intermediate, and he's willing to go through his progressions to make plays through the passing game. This is a different beast that Texas is going up against. Well, not just that, but when Jalen Milrow scrambles, he's scrambling to run. Daniels will scramble to buy himself more time behind the line of scrimmage. He does a great job of keeping his eyes upfield when he's starting to face the pressure and he uses athleticism to buy himself a couple more seconds. Will he run sometimes? Absolutely. But there are a number of big plays that he has made for this team over the last few years now where he's scrambled away from pressure and you give a receiver enough time, he's eventually going to get open. And that includes a lot of downfield opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and Sark kind of alluded to it. Like the term dual threat is overused with quarterbacks. Just because a quarterback is black doesn't mean he's a dual threat. Just because a quarterback can run doesn't mean he's a dual threat. You have to be good at running. You have to be good at passing. So watching that OU Cincinnati game last week, I keep hearing everybody say, Emory Jones is a dual threat. It's like, he can't throw. No. He's a threat to run. He can't throw. So he's a one threat. It's just the same as a pocket passer who can't run. He's a one threat. That is it. You're not a dual threat unless you can do both. Jalen Milrow. Not really a true dual threat. Now, he's better than Emory Jones, but Jalen Daniels is a true, real deal, dual threat quarterback. And you talk about big plays. Like he, the biggest problem with Jalen Daniels, and this goes to what you were just talking about, Trey, he will hold the ball for too long. Right. He wants to score on every single play. And obviously, that can be good. Obviously, that can be bad. He will hold the ball too long, end up taking bad sacks ending up having to throw it away. Like at times he won't always take what the defense is giving him because he's just scrambling around back there, hoping somebody breaks free 50 yards down the field. If there's any weakness to Jalen Daniels, it's that is that he wants to hit the home run every single time he has the ball in his hands. But that proves your point that, Oh, he's not just going to take off and run when his first read isn't there. Like he actually is scrambling, looking to make stuff happen down the field so he can pick you apart with his arm. That's what he'd prefer to do over running it, whereas Milrow was clearly the exact opposite. Yeah, it's a big part of what makes him so effective as a quarterback. As far as the Kansas defense goes, BK, we know we're not they're they're not very good, excuse me. Sark talked about them having some playmakers in the secondary. Is there a weakest part of this Kansas defense right now for you as a Jayhawks fan who has watched every game of theirs this year? Well, that's the biggest difference between 2022 Kansas and 2023 Kansas, right? Like, the offense last year was really good, uh, but the defense was one of the worst in college football. They ranked 123rd in points per game allowed. They ranked 123rd in run defense as well. So it's way tougher this year to find weaknesses on the Kansas defense than it was last year. I mean, hell, just go look at the box score from Texas-Kansas. Texas ran it for 400-plus against Kansas. They couldn't stop you or me in a phone booth if we were trying to run the football. Quinn Ewers barely cracked 100 yards passing. He didn't need to because Bijan and Jonathan Brooks had a good day, by the way. Uh, those guys just ran all over KU. I will say probably the linebackers is the weakest unit for Kansas. Their pass rush is much improved. They hit the portal hard 
They got a couple of guys from Minnesota who are making a difference. They got a kid from Colorado State who's making a difference as well. But I, I still think their linebackers are a little slow. So if Texas is able to win up front on the offensive line, then Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter are able to get to the second level. Then I think this run game can be effective. Now, they're not going to go for 400 yards on 10 yards a carry like they had last year, but I think they can have some success running the football right at these linebackers. So in coverage, could be a big J.T. Sanders day too. And also on the ground, I think that's the weakness for this Kansas defense is uh, their second unit of the three. Hey, can you uh, do a live read real quick? Tom McKay is at my front door. I need to gather some equipment from him. <laughs> yes, I can. I can talk about Tom McKay right now as Please he's do. at Trey's door right now during the midday show. AV consultations, they're the best. You see these two TVs behind me? I know you do. You know what you don't see behind me? A bunch of wires sticking out. Because you don't get that with AV consultations. They do the very best work. They have all of the materials, all of the equipment, and they install everything the way you want it to be installed. They've got me with these two TVs here. I've got the four TVs set up in the living room. They can do the same for you. If it's the man cave or the woman cave that you've always dreamed of, if it's that home theater room for friends, for family, for yourself, to watch all of the sports, all of the movies, all of the shows all year long, you got to reach out to AV consultations. 512-255-8678. Tations. 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. Or check him out online at avconsultations.com. Love Tom. He's a great friend of ours. I was talking to him right before the show today. He will become a great friend to you. More importantly, he's going to give you that TV setup you've always dreamed of. And there was a guy this morning who was like, PK, there's no way you like Olipop. Come on, man. Well, guy, here you go. I got the grape flavor. This might be my new favorite. This is honestly the first time I've tried the classic grape Olipop, and I can guarantee you that it won't be the last. This stuff tastes just like grape soda, and I'm a huge fan of grape soda, and that's the beauty of Olipop. It tastes like soda, but it's actually good for you. Inside of every can, you're getting a blend of seven unique botanicals, plant fibers, and prebiotics. It's got nine grams of fiber in every can of Olipop. There's only two to five grams of sugar as well, just four in this one. Hardly any calories, and the flavor is absolutely there. So next time you're at the grocery store, H-E-B, Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, Costco, wherever you go to get your groceries, make sure you get you a can or a four-pack or an eight-pack of Olipop. Like our guy Derek says, Olipop is the shit. Yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. It's gotten me back into soda, and I am grateful that uh, I found Olipop, and I am grateful that they have partnered with us here at Texas Sports unfiltered we'll give them some love as well and i'll also give a shout out while trey's gone to our friends at great blue heron furniture love these folks one of our newest sponsors here in texas sports unfiltered if you're looking for nice furniture furniture that is comfortable that is stylish that is going to last you for decades you got to reach out to our friends at great blue heron furniture they've been around since 1991 They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. This stuff is gorgeous, man. Don't just take my word for it. Click the link in the video description below. It will take you directly to our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection right there at Great Blue Heron Furniture. If you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off your purchase. I'm telling you, you will not find more stylish, more comfortable, more well-built furniture than Great Blue Heron Furniture. Click that link below, take a look, and order something. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. This stuff is gorgeous. Great Blue Heron Furniture. 
com. Trey, you alive over there? Is Tom McKay in your house right now talking to you? He's in my house. We're talking, and he's wondering. Why is there a bed in the background? Did you hear that? Why is there a bed in the background of Trey's place or of my place? Price. Because, Tom, it's too far for me to go to my actual bedroom. This is the guest room, so when I'm done with the show, I go take a nap. Breaks. <laughs> oh, good to see you, man. Oh, my gosh. You guys be good. I'll just, I'll just drop it off some stuff to hopefully get Bucky to sound better. Ah, yes. Thank you for that. You guys have a good day. You too. Thanks, Tom. 512-255-8678. Tom will call you personally. And I'm telling you, that's a phone call that's going to change your life. It's going to make your home the place to be for friends, for family. But most importantly, for yourself, hook me up. He's hooked Trey up. He's hooked Bucky up. He's hooked Jeff Howe up. He's hooked Harge up. Uh, Wags, Rodney. Uh, I mean, the list just it goes on and on. He is the best, and he's been in business since the 80s for good reason. He's the best at what he does, and he's a great guy as well. Shout out AV Consultations. He was just talking about doing something similar to what you've got going on in your place, BK, getting a TV for me behind where I'm sitting and moving these bookshelves one place or another. Like, hell yes. Are you kidding me? Mm. Get to rotate all the uh, the sponsorship logos. I like that. Maybe figure out how to hook it up to another computer where we can play highlights or other stuff behind us if need be. I need to get a second monitor. You ever had one of those before? No, but apparently they sell something that's just like you can connect it to your computer and it works like a second monitor, even though you're not buying a completely new computer in the process. Interesting. Yeah. Justine was talking about it the other day. I, I, that's as far as my knowledge goes for, but something like that does exist and it's much less expensive than buying a whole new computer of what you've done recently. Well, yeah, you can buy a separate monitor. I knew that. Is that what you're talking about? Like it just plugs into your laptop and then it's a separate. That's a real yeah, deal. Something that literally connects to where like you can have a monitor going on each side of your main monitor. Okay. I got to look into that too. I'm all about the screens with TVs. Now I got to be about the screens with computers too. Two laptops isn't enough. I need, I need more of them. I need more of them. Hey, CB, I got you. DM me your address, and I will send you a last stand hat as a birthday gift. Wow. For free. It's very nice of you. Yeah, it's nice to see B to always tune into our content and spread the word the way that he does. The least I could do is get that man a last stand hat. So now, I got you. I on you. Can I recommend my favorite Longhorn hat that they sell? Sure. They make so many good ones. The DBU hat's obviously awesome. My favorite hat that they make, though, and I think I bought two or three of these at this point, is the one that has the the hand sign. It's like the artwork hand sign where the, the fingers are going straight up like this, and it's just in the center of the hat. And it's I think I have Do I have one of those? It's a gray lid. Wait, let me think about this. Okay, now it's you talk for a minute. Gray Let's front see. of lid, and then it's a white mesh. Oh, okay. Now I have – hold on. Now you filibuster. You do, you do a relax the back read or something else. Ooh, relax the back. I am so thankful for relax the back right now. That is because unfortunately at 45, as I'm someone who tries to stay physically active, my back acts up sometimes. And that's where relax the back steps in. I have this beautiful chair in my office that I sit in every day to broadcast for Texas sports unfiltered. And I also have a lot of massage tools in my room. And it's why I've been looking for more than a month now to figure out the right stand-up desk to suit my needs. I know 
that when I finally settle on something, Relax the Back is who I will go through for that. Find out for yourself. See everything that Relax the Back offers by going to relaxtheback.com. Relaxtheback.com is also where you can go to find the location nearest you. Is this what you're talking about? That's the artwork, but it's a gray bill, gray front of hat, and then I think a white mesh back. Ah, yeah, this one is just the all gray snapback, but this is, yeah, it's a pretty badass logo with just the hand sign. I like this. I love it. I'll be giving this one away as part of our 5K giveaway. All right. Who knows? Who knows? Or I just wear all my hats with the tags on them. No, I don't do that. That's a bad bit. That was a popular bit. Gosh, when was that? The early 2000s where people would wear the tags and the stickers on their hats still? Yeah, there are people who still do it too. Wow. It's not as prevalent as it used to be, but some collectors and stuff and just some other folks will keep the stickers on, especially for like a 59-50 fitted cap. That, I feel like, is the most popular sticker that you'll see on Liz these days. Why? Why? Why Why is that a thing? Uh, are you going to return it after you wear it? That's my question. I've done that before with clothes. I'll I'll wear it once, and then I'll keep the tags on it, and then we'll take it back to the store the next day. What, like the suits that you would have to wear for your uh, fraternity formals back in the day? No, I mean, you. I would usually just rent those. Or, well, I, I always had those. I always owned suits. But uh, I'm trying to think. Like, oh, so one day, so Lance Zerline, who works for the NFL Network, yeah. also hosts a show at the ESPN station in Houston that I worked at. And one day he was out, and one day I did a Lance impersonation. I was filling in for him, and I just dressed exactly like him. He always wears, like, track suits. So I went and bought, like, an Adidas track suit uh, and put on glasses and stuff. But I left the tags on because later that day, after I wore it once, I'm like – I. I'm not a tracksuit guy. No. I haven't killed enough people to wear these. So I returned it just like that. Jake says, I used to do that. And then I turned 13. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bar mitzvah changes everybody. Yeah, so that's exactly. what Jake's talking about there. Uh, all right. More on. Uh, actually, no, let's not. Well, any Texas, Kansas thoughts you have today. We'll talk more about it the next couple of days, but I got to show you the video I showed the buck this morning. I'm hoping this is not your where are we at in society today story, but the um, Jack in the Box video from Houston. Have you seen this? No. Ah, uh, yes. This was good stuff this morning. All right. So this video comes from 2021, but this footage actually was just released this week. So the story, the incident itself happened a couple of years ago, right after the great winter storm or the not so great winter storm that we had. And this happened down in Houston at a Jack in the box near Bush intercontinental airport. And there's no sound of this video. So we can talk while it's playing and I'll do a little play by play, I guess. So if you're listening on the app, you can kind of follow what's going on here, but obviously you'll be at a little bit of a disadvantage. Anyways, Here's the video from a surveillance camera at a jack-in-the-box down in Houston a couple of years ago. So we've got a little back and forth, a couple of drive through workers out the window throwing something at the customer in his truck, and the customer is throwing stuff back towards the window. One of the employees leaves, comes back, opens gun. the window, and gun. Starts oh. firing away at the customer as he speeds off in his 
truck. Wow. Yeah. This incident started because of curly fries, Trey. Hmm. The customer believed that he was supposed to be receiving curly fries with his order. He did not get said curly fries. And he got into it with the workers who claimed that he did not need curly fries with his order. Woman got pissed off, left for a moment, came back with a gun, and started firing away. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. I mean, the swiftness with which she reappeared on the screen after going for the gun has me questioning just how available that gun was. My goodness. Okay. You'd have to go back into the manager's office or something to get that gun. No, she stepped out of screen and was back in 0.5 seconds later. Dude. It's like the gun was under the burger wrappers or something. <laughs> it was at the bottom of the fry rack, I think. No. Watch this again. Buck pointed this out this morning. Look where her hand reaches. You can barely see it because she kind of is off the screen for a moment when she walks away from the drive through window. But you can see that the gun is even more accessible than you think. So there she goes, walks away. Oh, oh yep, yep. That's that's in her that's in her britches. That gun was in her britches. Yeah, in the waistband or in the back pocket or in the britches, because that's a word people still use in 2023. It's It was very easy for her to grab that piece and start firing away at the guy who was in the truck with his pregnant wife and a six-year-old daughter in the back seat. Well, at least he's setting a good example for his family. Yeah, I mean... Causing that level of stir over some curly fries. It's it's a pretty bad bid on his part, of course, by, like, throwing stuff at the drive through window. But, hey, man, fries, like, those are good curly fries. You want those fries. You pay for something, you want that something. If you're getting into an altercation at a fast food restaurant, I don't care what the fast food restaurant is, you're a loser. This mm. guy's a loser. Unfortunately, that six-year-old is probably going to be grow up to be some sort of colossal burden on society. Who knows about the spawn of Satan that's in his wife's belly right now. The best chance that this family has is for them to leave this fat loser right now. God, you're mad. You're madder at the guy than you are the woman who fired the gun off. Oh, I don't necessarily think she did something right. But if you are picking that level of fight over some curly fries, you are a fat loser. Oh, my God. Well, his name is Anthony Ramos. Her name, the Jack in the Box employee, I assume it's safe to say that the now former Jack in the Box employee is Alania Ford. And boy, Bucky had a tough time. He kept calling her Alopecia Ford, Allegra Ford, Anesthesia Ford amnesia ford he couldn't quite figure out who she was but she got arrested and she was convicted with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon recent documents reveal that her probation concluded in june of 2023 so she might be on the loose at a jack-in-the-box near you so be careful if you're going to jack in the crack don't get too worked up over some curly fries or your night might be numbered Alimony Ford, if she's still in fast food, is probably like a Taco Cabana or something. Alimony Ford. Hold on. Let me let me spell her name. And, and I, there's no way I'm even pronouncing it right. I don't even remember what I said two seconds ago. <laughs> A-L-L-O-N-I-E-A. 
Alania? O-N-I-E-A. Alonia? A-L-L-O-N-I-E-A. Alonia. Yeah, I think that's it. Alonia. All right. I think that's what I said the first time. Apollonia Ford. Aluminum Ford. (laughs) Aluminum Ford. Nobody beats a covert Ford deal. Not now, not ever. Aluminium Ford. How how have you not started saying aluminum? Aluminium, like oh, I always, I, I always call it aluminium. What do you mean? Oh, how you have, I not, My how have I not started saying it correctly? I've been saying it correctly for years. It's aluminium, <laughs> aluminum. What, where's the O's in there? There's no O in there. Lou, where do you get Lou from? Actually, that's one where those who supposedly uh, pronounce it incorrectly have a point. Mm. Based on I, the spelling, it it should be pronounced aluminium. It is aluminium. What do you mean it should be pronounced? It is. Yeah, if you're a fucking Brit. No. Yeah. <laughs> I hate them, dude. Maybe this is the first time you've had to deny your own pronunciations because you are getting lumped in with the dirty Brits. Now, don't associate me with the ex-mother country, please. This is a Canadian bit that we're on here, all right? Oh, did the, did the Nades pronounce it aluminium, too? The Newt? The Nades? The Nades. What is, is that grenade? What, what is nades? Canadian. Nades not, for Canadian. No, more people say aluminium than nades. I can promise you that. I think that CB has a great point here. Some just call it tinfoil. That's maybe mm. the best path forward here. Yeah. What was that girl's name? Appalachian State has just upset Michigan at the big house Ford. <laughs> do, do I have that one right? No Jays in the studio. Is this really Gerald? I've seen Daryl G show up on the post game a couple of times now. Is that our old friend Gerald? It says Daryl. Can you read? Are you blind? What? But it's Daryl G. Nobody has the name Daryl in real life. <laughs> My guess is he's going nobody, Gerald D, but he decided to switch the first letters up on us. Nobody has the name Asthma Ford either, but here we are talking about Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, nobody has the name Alimony Ford except this insane woman who works at fast food restaurants and pulls guns on people because they get into a food fight. Never bring never bring curly fight fries to a gunfight, BK. You know what I always say. Yep, yep. You have said that for years. That is very <laughs> true. All right, before we get to where we at in society today, shout out to Covert BK. If nobody beats a covert deal, not now, not ever. We'll be out there this Friday for another. Longhorn pregame luncheon. Food will be provided by our friends at Smokey Moe's Barbecue and Verde's Mexican Perilla. The Buck and I will be out there this Friday. Trey and I will be doing a live broadcast of our show there, too, from 12 to 1. And then, of course, the pregame show on Saturday leading up to Texas and Kansas. Uh, We announced it yesterday, the day before the K-State game, Friday, November 3rd. Ricky Williams will be our guest out at Covert BK. If you definitely want to mark your calendars for that, we hope to see all of you out there. In the meantime, get out to Covert BK. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, nobody's got a better selection. Nobody's got better prices. Nobody's got better service than the folks at Covert BK. Go out there and see them. The dealerships are beautiful. Yeah, I said dealerships because there's three of them. And they've got seven different brands out there at Covert BK. The place is massive. Go say what's up to Dan Covert. Say hi to Mike. Say hi to Stacy. The whole team, fantastic people who will take care of you like they've taken care of us. Shout out to the Coverts and shout out Trey. You up to do a Pest Wranglers live or should we go pre-recorded again? 
Can we go record it one more time, please? Yes, we can. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? Right, Pest Wranglers is the sponsor of Where Are We At in Society. Thank you so much to Steve for that. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. It is our daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. It has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today today is not that day, BK. And we go to New York City, I guess, for this next story. Public bathrooms, I guess, is the better location for today's story. Where there is a terrifying warning on TikTok right now that has people very keen to using toilet paper in public bathrooms. Using a public bathroom, according to the New York Post, a seemingly benign daily practice presents disturbing risks, according to a virtual whistleblower who claims we could be unwittingly wiping with blood-splattered tissue soiled by IV drug users who are dabbing their needles off in the toilet paper. If your toilet paper looks like it has a bunch of little red marks on the outside roll. Do not use it and run as far as possible from this public restroom, urged TikTok tipster Dane Jones in a now viral advisory. Per the cautionary clip, which is more than 7 million viewers up to this point, the social media know-it-all shared an image of a toilet paper roll covered with small crimson flecks alongside long, thin, and colorless streak marks. If you look closely, you will see a bunch of tiny red blood splotches, said Jones. That is not from somebody's bloody nose or a little accident. It's from someone cleaning their needles. Dirty needles, to be exact. We don't know if this was one person or multiple people cleaning their needles from injecting drugs. In New York City, the substance abuse crisis is more visible than ever as is evidenced by bustling midtown Manhattan blocks, such as West 37th Street, where addicts have been spotted drooping over in drug-induced hazes with syringes jabbed into their veins as early as 11 a.m. Addicts are also openly shooting in subways right now, shooting up in subways, excuse me, during the morning and afternoon rush hour commutes. So um, word to the wise, I guess, if you are in a public bathroom, one, I probably would avoid doing that business in a public bathroom if you can help it. But if you're in a public bathroom and considering using the toilet paper, look for those little red marks on the side of the toilet paper before you do anything, because that could be uh, infected by the blood of a needle user. Mm. Okay. Well, the first thing to do is avoid the public bathroom. Yep. In the first place. And God, so where is it easy to see this blood? Like they just let me see know. if I can pull a picture up for you. Okay. I'm like, it'd be pretty 
easy to tell if there's like splotches of blood or even specks of blood on the toilet paper you're trying to rip off, right? And it doesn't matter if it's an accident or a nosebleed or something else. You're not using that TP if there's blood on it. I don't have a good picture, but it's small dabs of blood on the side of the roll of toilet paper. Oh, it's on the side. Right. Okay, so you... It's it's like needle users... Needle users are sticking the needles into the actual toilet paper yeah. to wipe off the blood so that they can use the needle again. Oh, is that sanitary? No chance. No, not at all. Mm. So how do you I gotta start taking out the toilet paper from the toilet paper holders and then expect inspecting the size of them to make sure there's no dots of blood before I my, use it? My guess is this is more about those roles whose sides are already exposed. So sometimes it's a role that the role is basically coming from a metal container to where you can't get to the sides. And I guess that toilet paper is safer to use than the toilet paper whose sides are exposed in high drug use areas, like all over New York City, San Francisco, Portland, parts of Chicago, I'm sure. Hell, parts of Austin, if you really want to break it down. So yeah, just be very careful. One, don't use a public restroom if you can help it because they're vile. But two, if you do, you need to be really checking things before you decide to uh, pop a squat and then have to clean up afterwards. So is it better to not use the toilet paper on the seat as protection then? Because you might be actually putting meth in your anus. Mm. I don't think so unless you have open wounds on your buck cheeks and the top backs of your legs uh didn't fauci one time tell us that toilet seats could give us aids oh yeah i remember being scared as a kid of drinking out of the water fountain in my preschool because i thought in there drinking out of the water fountain in my preschool is going to give me aids I can't tell if you're kidding or not. I'm dead serious about that. I have a specific memory of that when I was like, I don't know, four, five, six years old, because I'd probably either heard my parents talking about it or I'd heard it on the news because that was being claimed at a point in time. Just drinking the water from a water fountain was going to give you the HIV? Water fountain. Water fountains could give you AIDS. And all these years later, I guess I'm living proof that it's true. How are you living proof that it's true? Because I have AIDS and I clearly got it from that water fountain when I was a preschooler. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't be saying stuff like that. You be telling people you have Magic Johnson's disease when you don't. Magic Johnson proved to all of us that AIDS was curable. What are you talking about? How much money do you have? Not Magic Johnson money. So it ain't curable, bud. Those are the rules right there, I think. Can you maybe we get more into this tomorrow? Can you please explain to me why Lou Holtz and Ryan Day are engaged in a back and forth? I realize Ryan Day said what he did after Lou Holtz initially said what he did about Ohio State lacking toughness. But Lou Holtz has chimed back in now. At this point, if you're Ryan Day, you have to completely drop this, right? You don't want to turn this into a distraction. Yeah, I, I don't understand why it started in the first place, right? I mean, yeah. look, Ryan Day, use whatever you want to use as motivation for yourself, for your players, but just 
felt unnecessary. It's not like Lou Holtz said anything that was that awful about him or about the Ohio State program. Honestly, what he said was right. Ohio State, in those physical type of games under Ryan Day, they have not been able to match physicalities with some of the teams they've gone up against, which is why they've lost the majority of those games that they've played in under him. Uh, and that's just kind of what Lou Holtz said. I mean, Lou Holtz is a big Ohio State guy. Wasn't he a part of their coaching staff early in his career and like has always gone to bat for them? So I don't know, man. It's I guess it's easy to go after an old, relatively defenseless dude like Lou Holtz, but it, it felt unnecessary by Ryan Day. And yeah, I think you're right. Now at this point, it's like you can't just keep going back and forth with a near 90-year-old man or you look like your attention is not where it needs to be. And we couldn't understand Lou Holtz like 10 years ago. How is Lou Holtz 10 years older now still identifiable enough and, and understandable enough to where you're actually willing to respond to whatever gibberish is coming out of his mouth? I don't know. That's how I feel about Lee Corso when I watch game day now. That's Which, just sad. I'm glad Corso's still there, I think. Are you? I, I, I enjoy the headgear bit still. I might be one of like five people left who still does. But I also am willing to acknowledge that it's probably not great that we're just throwing that dude out there. Every dude, Saturday, it's terrible. it's terrible that they're still forcing Joe Biden to go out in public at times with the lack of lucidity going on with old Joe. I mean, Lee Corso is like, I don't know, five to 10 years ahead of where Joe Biden is right now. And it's a once a week bit for him. And I guess at this point, he's really only up there for picks, right? They don't really yeah. have to stage otherwise. He does like one or two other segments over the three to four hour show, but they give him other segments. Wow. Not much. Yeah. I mean, they, they obviously they obviously care about that guy. And so you understand it from that perspective. But at some point, aren't you trying to do more to protect him versus continuing to expose just how much of a mental decline there's been? Yeah, I don't know. I always show this one to Bucky though. I ask him who's the worst team in the NFL. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> he looks pretty spry in that one, doesn't he? I don't know. I need Minnesota. <laughs> Either that or he just shouts random state and he gets really confused. I think he was in Minnesota at that point. So no, the chances of that are very small. <laughs> We're done here. That's going to do it for Trey and BK. We'll be back tomorrow from 12 to 1, but coming up right now, it is time. Or a little Chip and Zay. Fellas, take it away.